Hey folks, welcome to the 75th episode of The Intellectual Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Dawson. Very sorry this episode is mm, approximately a day late, uh, but I was at the Borrego Springs Film Festival yesterday enjoying a bunch of independent films and uh, had a really great time at the Borrego Springs Film Festival this weekend, a film that I executive produced past Impulse screened on Friday to a very, very positive reception. And I just want to make sure I thank everybody at Borrego Springs Film Festival for a wonderful time. Really, really enjoyed it. Um, And I got some great news this morning. Uh, My silent film that I co-directed with my best friend, Brian Davis, uh, was nominated or was deemed uh, worthy of nomination in this year's San Diego Film Awards. They'll be making announcements on what the nominations are for, specifically on January 31st at a special nomination announcements event at the San Diego Film Consortium's Winter Film Showcase. Um, The nomination announcements will be at 10 p.m. Our film will be screening, so if you're interested in catching our film Unlucky Charms, You can see it on the big screen at the Museum of Photographic Arts in Balboa Park. On January 31st, we are in the nominees program number two at 6.30 p.m. So uh, you can purchase tickets at filmconsortiumsd.com. That's filmconsortiumsd.com. And tickets aren't very expensive. And... You get to watch like 12 short films in our screening group. And a couple hours later, they announce what we're nominated for specifically, which is pretty cool. Always nice to be recognized for the work that you do. So congratulations to my entire film team. Um, Unlucky Charms is the film that just keeps giving. And uh, we really love it around here. So now on to the show. Uh, Today, we have a very cool filmmaker um, that we're chatting with, actor and producer Jeffrey Patterson. Um, Jeffrey uh, is, is really forging his own path as a filmmaker, and it's very cool. Um, he's a single father of four, and he's currently living in Los Angeles on a yacht, which is totally eccentric and very, very cool. Um, as many of you know, I have a big, big, big thing for boats, so (laughs) I'm a little jealous he's living on a yacht. Um, Jeffrey has started his own uh, film production company called Once Upon a Dream Productions. Um, They're making movies like Finding Harmony with Billy Zane and Allison Eastwood and Hot Bath and a Stiff Drink, uh, which is a cool Western um, series, so check it out. Jeffrey Patterson is a riot. We had a really great time chatting with him. And yeah, so thank you for listening to the Intellectual Podcast. Please, by all means, on January 31st, come out and see Unlucky Charms at 6.30 p.m. at the National, or not National, sorry. (laughs) Um, Now I'm really blowing my horn. At the Museum of Photographic Arts in Balboa Park here in San Diego, if you're in the area. Um, They do have screenings of short films and whatnot the whole weekend, January 30th and 31st. 
Uh, but we're at 6.30 p.m. on the 31st at the Museum of Photographic Arts in Balboa Park where you can watch Unlucky Charms. And if you stick around to 10 p.m., you can find out what we're going to be nominated for in the 2015 San Diego Film Awards. Yay! And now, without further ado, Jeffrey Patterson on the 75th episode of The Intellectual Podcast. Talk hard and enjoy the mindgasm. The Intellectual Podcast starts now. All right, welcome to The Intellectual Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Dawson, sitting with me at the table today, Steve Schwartz, Hello. Jessica Durain. Hi. And we're about to chat with Jeffrey Patterson of Once Upon a Dream Productions. Uh, Jeffrey, you there? I'm here. Excellent. Thanks for joining us on the show, sir. No, thank you guys very much for inviting me. Sounds fun. Um, I think just to start things off, if you want to give us a, a rundown on the productions that you've got, uh, both in the can and upcoming, uh, we can just kind of start from there. Oh, great. Um, yeah, we recently finished a family drama called Finding Harmony. It was shot primarily in Alabama and Tennessee, uh, starring uh, Billy Zane as kind of like a country music right? we always pitch like a Garth Brooks kind of character as his uh, ex-wife is played by Allison Eastwood who in her own right is an incredible artist but of course most people relate her to her father Clint Eastwood uh, Barry Corbin Ed Bruce who wrote uh, Mama Don't Let Your Baby Grow Up To Be Cowboys just an incredible incredible cast there uh, a lot of fun love Alabama Tennessee and uh, we came back and shot two period westerns out in Tucson, Arizona. So we've uh, we've had a pretty busy couple of years. So you were born and raised in Alabama, right? Correct. So how was it bringing a film to Alabama? I mean, did that feel good to to get to do that? You know, essentially back home. Um. Yeah. It wasn't. You know. It wasn't in my my hometown or or anything. But you know, it wasn't my state of birth and Alabama has such great people there. And, and it's just amazing when you're on set and you're like, well, wow, it'd be great if we had like a, a mid sixties Chevy truck. And someone goes, Hey, my brother-in-law's got one. And, <laughs> you know, either you go, how much they're like, Oh, he'd just be tickled to have it in the movie. Yeah. Right. And, <laughs> you know, just that whole, you know, what can I do to help out my neighbor, whether it's making a movie or painting a house or whatever. So it's just, the people are great. They're, just, they're awesome people. So, uh, yeah, we love it there. We, we're going back. I've got one that we're in uh, development on with Randy Owen, who's the uh, lead singer for the band Alabama, and his daughter, Allison Owen, she wrote it. And so we'll be shooting it on Randy's ranch there in Fort Payne, Alabama. Oh. How'd, so you, really get, how'd you get involved with that? Um, you know, I, I, back in my younger days, I was a realtor in Alabama. And uh, I was on the, the governor's staff down there, and I met some of the band Alabama and ended up listing the lead guitarist, Jeff Cook's castle that he has up there. And uh, Jeff and I even started off his business, and he's literally got a 15,000 square foot true <laughs> stone four turrets castle. <laughs> um, it, it's amazing. Castle and, in uh, Alabama, became, that's a right? country song. Yeah, Castle in Alabama, country song. <laughs> a castle over Lookout Mountain. <laughs> um, 
and we we became buddies, and of course, you know, later became friends with Randy Owen, and Randy Randy did so much for not just for the state. I mean, I go down and do a golf tournament with him every June, where um, the proceeds go to the Alabama Sheriff's Ranch. He's so involved with St. Jude. And, um, you know, his daughter and I became buddies, and she wrote this great script, and we were trying to put it together for a couple of years, and we're finally there. Nice. So Randy wants to support his daughter and he wants to, you know, maybe reach out a little bit and do a little cameo here and there and some more country musicians want to get involved. So it'll it'll be a real fun shoot. Hopefully a good film. Once the country community is involved, anything is possible and guaranteed fun the whole time. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you just started talking Jessica's language. I, I like country. <laughs> I almost just said y'all. <laughs> I just did. You <laughs> country? Where are you? I, I'm from San Diego, but we we do have ranches out here. And yeah, she's from the yeah. sticks in San Diego. I am from. Yeah, they they poke fun of me. That's all right. <laughs> I've got permanent cow poop on my boots. That's fine. <laughs> 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 we're heading out tomorrow to go back to Tucson to lock down locations for the third installment of the Western we're doing. So just, you know, just mount up, come out and ride with us. Oh, that would be fun. My four-year-old, she started her first time on a horse by herself with me right by her side. She was about two. And the look on her face of how proud she was and how proud I was of her. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. I love I love writing. It's nice. It's so peaceful. And you, you started your four year old. You do realize that that's addictive, right? Yes. <laughs> like, right. and it's so funny when we're at the fair and they have those little pony rides that go in a circle for, you know, the cost of a, a house loan. She still wants to ride those, even though she can do it for free at home. I'm like, sure. okay, but I still put her on it. It's still fun. <laughs> Once you're in love with horses, there's just that attraction. It doesn't matter if you're hooked to a merry-go-round or yeah. or that. No or the one, are you the one you put a quarter in to ride? See, yeah. now, now that's interesting because I'm surrounded by people who love horses, and I've done a lot of work down at San Diego Polo Club here in, here in town, and I've just never developed that love of horses. I mean, Steve himself over yes. here, he he was a he was a I was an equestrian. You were an equestrian rider when you were younger, yes. and. I don't know. Horses just never been my thing. Horses and I generally, I mean, I can wander past a horse, like pulling a cart downtown and the horse gets all upset just that I get anywhere near them. <laughs> um, I don't know if it's my size or their size compared. I, you know, they're bigger than me. I don't know why they get so upset, but they get upset every time I come anywhere near them. Well, you know, as majestic as they are, they're incredibly stupid. <laughs> Oh, so, ooh. Was, ooh. Was, ooh. Fighting words. No, well, <laughs> hey, I, I'm a lover of horses, but you know, you got to, you know, look at the reality. It's a big, dumb animal. So they're very intense. It's never stopped anybody from being friendly with you, Steve. Yeah. No. Thank you. <laughs> someone had to do it. Well, you know, if, if every once in a while, someone, you know, rubbed my nose, gave me a carrot and swatted me on the ass, I would be a lot more friendly. <laughs> Yeah, come here, Steve. I have a whole bag of carrots. (laughs) (laughs) What's it like working on a western? Like, is is it is do the horses make it a whole nother set of challenges to to getting your oh yeah yeah absolutely a period piece you know you you end up with wardrobe you know issues that um, 
you know, there and then in horses. I, I forgot who the, the movie guy was that so don't work with, you know, kids or animals. WC Fields. Um, they do. And you know, like I said, they, they do have their own mind. Mm-hmm. They, you know, whether they're smart, dumb, or, you know, whatever the viewpoint is, they do have their own brain. And um, it can make interesting times. But that's awesome. I, our last one, we had Robert Patrick. Do you guys know Robert? Mm-hmm. Robert is probably best known from T2. He was the, the metal guy that Schwarzenegger would shoot. You know, he'd metal. Yeah, back. the liquid metal Terminator. Yeah, he's currently on the he's show on, yeah. Scorpion. He's on Scorpion right now. He's also in the last couple Scorpion. of years of the X-Files. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's him. He's he's an incredible actor. And when we got a hold of him, when we got a hold of him, we we were asking you know him to come play on on Hot Bath Two, and he goes, "Oh man, I got in this business to do westerns." <laughs> That's a good impersonation. <laughs> yeah, yeah there's, there's so many of us that you know that grew up you know either riding a broomstick or whatever that uh, still want to go back to that cowboy and Indian kind of thing, you know. Yeah, well, I love I love the visuals of a good western. Yes, I mean I'm not I'm not a horse fan myself, but I enjoy the films. I enjoy the mesas. I enjoy the sunsets. I enjoy the gunfights in the middle of the even, dusty dusty even streets. The latest you know? western that that came out, uh, it, it was Seth MacFarlane's. Uh, this whole big parody, <laughs> it was so beautifully shot. It was absolutely gorgeous to to see Monument Valley, you know, shot like that, mm-hmm. and um, just the period uh, piece with all the costumes. I, it, yeah, they it was all tongue in cheek, and they all made fun of the fact that it was the West and the and the, and the clothing. But it's still just amazing, you know, just the the majesty of of every single shot is a postcard. Who, who's you guys' favorite cowboy? Is it is it? Uh... Clint Eastwood, John Wayne. Uh, I mean, what, when you say cowboy, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Well, that has to be John Wayne for me. I grew up in that era uh, and grew up with the movie The Cowboys. So, yeah, uh, yeah. That I mean, uh, to me, he is the quintessential cowboy. Right. Well, Pilgrim. Um, so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it's funny. I I actually. Right off the top of my head, Kevin Costner comes to mind. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Between Wyatt Earp and uh, the Postman and um, Dancing with Wolves. Wolves, Mm -hmm. There was also that one that he did. And then he did the one with Robert Duvall. Duvall. Yeah. Um, I can't remember the name of that one right now off the top of my head. But, but you know, for me, in my my time, he's done... Probably the bigger yeah. westerns to be seen um, in in the in the latest era, you know, and they they haven't they haven't done a lot yeah, of westerns what, lately. No, yeah, but when you mentioned Kevin, I mean that was that was out of left field, but if you, that's legit answer. What about uh, uh, Kurt Russell and Val Kilmer? Those guys. See, now I don't like Tombstone. Really. Oh. No, hey, you want to talk about fighting words? Guys, <laughs> yeah, you just lost them. <laughs> fighting words. I, there, there was something for me that that in that movie that was just a little off, and I don't know, I don't know what it was. I think it was too pretty. It wasn't gritty enough. Oh, oh we just like, we totally lost him. He's gone. We totally lost him. He hung up. <laughs> he started it. Oh, them, them fighting words. I don't words. really like tombstones. Them's fighting words. I lost him. Okay, these guys are done. <laughs> hey guys. 
Now, I know you didn't hang up on me, right? <laughs> I'm telling you, that, that tombstone comic got me. <laughs> now, to be, to be fair. Um, I almost hung up. I, I enjoy those guys. I just didn't. I didn't like that movie. I preferred the. I preferred the Wyatt Earp movie from Kevin Costner. I thought. It, I thought the characters were more fleshed out. I thought the storytelling was more cohesive. Um, Tombstone felt very disjointed to me, but that was my opinion. You know, and everybody's entitled to their opinions. Um, and I and I love I love the Wyatt Earp story. I mean, I've been to Tombstone, Arizona, and, and walked the streets and done done the bit in person there myself. So. But yeah, the movie didn't ring for me. But, you know, you all can talk about it because apparently I'm in the minority on this one. So go ahead. <laughs> let, me, well, let me give you a chance to, like, you know, save yourself. Here, okay? <laughs> what about, what about uh, uh, The Quick and the Dead? Well, um, you should see his face right now. He's thinking. I, I really love Sharon Stone. Okay. Yeah. I really, really enjoy the movie especially after seeing it 30 times on TNT. <laughs> yeah. After about 30 times on TNT, especially on those days where they do it back to back to back. Um, I really, I enjoyed it, but now it's like, I can pick up that movie and know exactly what's going on and, and not lose it, <laughs> lose it and doesn't lose any of its charm. It, it, it plays out like a, uh, uh, like a dime novel. I mean, it, it is the quintessential Louis yeah. L'Amour film. Yeah. 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 It is. So, no, we want to see the Western come back because it's just, you know, if I, if I understand right, Jessica, you're a single mom and, and you may have more reality on this. It's hard, guys, to, you know, you don't have to be single, but to have kids and actually sit down to watch TV or, yes. you know, you just mentioned a million ways to die in the West. Here, this idiot took his mom and dad to go see that movie. How embarrassing was that? Um, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> no, so, uh, you know, a Western is normally, you know, you take Seth MacFarlane out of the, out of the equation. It's normally a good, clean, wholesome family, you know, kind Definitely. of show. Yeah, it's, it's hard to it's, find it's, the time. I'm it's, sorry. It's hard to find the time to watch anything anymore, unless it's you know Nickelodeon or Disney Channel, really. <laughs> right. Well, your your daughter is four, and you know when when my when my girls were younger, we could sit and watch something, and I would love uh, Two and a Half Men or, or Big Bang or whatever, and it was fine. Then it got to the point where you, you know they get older, and as the shows progress, they get a little more. You know, overt on Game of Thronesy. <laughs> not well. Hey, yeah. hey let's <laughs> let's yeah. not go there. I mean, let's not get that that extreme. Yeah, there's there's, not, there's not any real westerns on TV right now, are there? Um, there's one on the Disney Channel, but it's a cartoon. Well, that's not the same. That's I really like it. Like I remember growing up. You know, you had Bonanza and. There's no yeah, there, you there, TV there, shows. You had though. the banana, you had Bonanza, you had the Rifleman, you had Have Gun Will Travel, you had Paladin, you had Yeah, I mean there was um, tons of stuff to watch. But, Big Valley, Little House in the Prairie. Yeah, yeah. 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 Smoke. High Chaparral. Oh yeah. 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 Yeah, none of none of that is I mean, I don't even see that stuff on TV land. Yeah, oh yes, you do. <laughs> Not yeah. when I turn on the channel. Well, it, when I was a kid, you you couldn't turn on the TV at any point in the day and not find a channel that was showing some Western right. somewhere. Yeah. That was the number one genre. 
I mean, that's. Oh, we lost him again. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Whoa. This must be high in the mountains right now. <laughs> Technology. Yeah. As you were saying. Yeah. <laughs> The, the technology's uh, a little upset at us. <laughs> the technology's upset about Tombstone, too. Still upset. Yeah. But no, all of those films, Quick and the Dead, mm-hmm. Tombstone, all those were filmed, they brought over there just north of, of Tombstone proper in Old Tucson, the same place that we shoot our films. It's so amazing to you know, take the tour with the, with the uh, caretaker, and he goes over and sees, says, uh, see right here, this is where Eastwood goes. You're going to pull them guns or whistle Dixie or whatever. And he's, there's just so much, you know, creativity, you know, the vibe and all there. It's, it's amazing to shoot over there. There's so many movies been shot there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I drove through Monument Valley a couple of years ago and uh, took a lot of photos while I was there. And the whole time I was there, I was just thinking of all the different visuals in the Westerns growing up that I watched. Even even Back to the Future. Um, yeah. Back yeah. to the Future too. Two. You know, uh, right there in Miami yeah. Valley. Um, you know, and, and you can feel it. You can feel that history when you're in those locations. Um, mm-hmm. Not just the history of the movies, but the history of the Old West. You know, it, it it's yeah. authentic. It's it's true. And you just get immersed in it when you go to visit those places. Mm-hmm. Someday I'd like to shoot a Western, even though I don't like horses. I mean, I would, I would love to direct a Western at some point. It is, it is one of the things I would love to do. Um, you know, I just, uh, <laughs> got to find the right script and some money. Well, <laughs> well you, you guys are in the movie business too, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, we're independent filmmakers. Yes. <laughs> well, not, <laughs> wow. Wow. Way to, way to make us sound not all that good at it. Steve. Yeah. Well, <laughs> gee, golly. I don't know about him, but I'm pretty awesome. <laughs> he can speak for himself. Sorry, Steve's just, been busy working at DirecTV for a, a few years, and I think he's I've been he, sitting in the he's dark. He's trying to get his brain back into the, in the yeah. gear on it. <laughs> I've been sitting in a in a darkened room with 200 TV screens. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> his mind is completely numb. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's, soul sucking but that that gets me to a question i wanted to ask you you started your own production company right um yeah a uh years was days and months i think it was about four four five years ago um we were mentioning gun smoke and little house of prayer you guys remember the waltons Mm -hmm. yes Mm -hmm. um mary ellen walton the one that says good night john boy um, and our and our friends and we were sitting around talking about there's just not enough family family films out there. Yeah. So in short, after numerous four hour Starbucks roundtable talking, we started Once Upon a Dream Productions. Judy Norton and I did. Hmm. And uh, after years of meeting two or three times a day in a Denny's trying to raise money. You know, she was like, wow, you know, my musical theater is doing great. She directs a lot of stuff. She's really, really busy. And she's like, well, this independent film world is crazy because you're always trying to raise money. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but in short, she wrote Finding Harmony, that first film that I produced. So she wrote the the first script. And uh, when she decided to, to focus more on her musical theater and directing and stuff, 
I bought her portion out and bought an option on the script. And uh, so we went to shoot it. She even came and did a cameo in it. So, uh, you know, she, she kind of helped me kickstart the whole company and, and get things going. Awesome. So, um, yeah, she's, she's awesome. And the Waltons were awesome. Yeah. Well, that made you, how did you come up with the name for your production company? Um, uh, I guess it was always like a dream for me. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, you know, and there was, there was DreamWorks and there was some other ones there that, you know, I started thinking of a company name and I was just like, well, let's just, let's just do what's upon a dream. Isn't that, from, I, but isn't that a, a part of the lyrics for, uh, from, um, Snow White? Or Sleeping Beauty, Once Upon a Dream. Um, I don't know. You know, as a kid, um, for some reason, I just saw old kids' books or whatever. You know, you, you see them open it and uh, fast forward. I always saw, you know, in DreamWorks, there's a little kid sitting on the moon and doing yeah. that thing. I thought it would just be so cool to have, have like an older man come out in front of a, a fire and a rocking chair. And he sits down and he opens this book and it creaks open. And he starts reading you a book. And it always starts off with normally once upon a time, you know? Yeah. And he goes, you know, once once upon a dream, you know, and then we show the movie. And at the end of the movie, you know, he turns to the last page and he goes, and they lived happily ever after. And he closes the book. Um, But we haven't shot any of that yet to to open and close our movies. But that's the way I always saw it. I like that vision. I like that. That's a good vision. (laughs) I was right there with you. (laughs) There you go. Uh, it's definitely important to dream and pursue those dreams, you know. I actually saw it. I it, I actually I'm visually seeing that shot in sepia, uh, in, in a yeah. sepia tone. You can almost um, feel the fire crackling and and the warmth. Mm-hmm. It definitely. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're going to sit in for you know 90 minutes or whatever, and have someone tell you a story. So it's be kind of cute to have it open the same way each time when someone reads you a story. Mm. There's, there's too many times that, um, I, I also do, uh, stories to music and you know, we've, we've fought with this for years. We usually, um, I use, uh, Jeff Lewis, Jeff Lewis's or Jeffrey Lewis's. He was Clint Eastwood's sidekick on a zillion movies. He's probably most famous now as, as Juliet Lewis's dad. But, um, he writes some incredible stories. They're like three to five minutes long. And he hooked up with a guy named Jeff Levin and a couple other people that to set the music to it. And that's where I first heard it. And then years later, I used to travel the East coast, uh, doing these stories, but we basically just do it, you know, all dressed in black and it's just spotlights on, on uh, the storyteller and the keyboard players. But I kind of relate it back to, you know, when someone goes, yeah, I saw the movie and it was really good, but the book was better. <laughs> as, as a filmmaker, I got to go, you know, I can make good films, but there's no way I can make a film that is good as the one that you see in your head. Yeah. You know? I mean, you, mm-hmm. you think you're the perfect picture of you. So, um, it's a challenge for filmmakers, but makes it a lot easier for storytellers. Yeah, you can never compete with somebody's imagination. Uh, no. Best we can do is is try and put our imagination on screen as as best as we're able to in real life. Yeah. <laughs> and in the limitations of real life. Um we're what, we're actually what did you guys say? Go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead, Ned. I, I was just gonna say we're looking at some photos on uh on the hot, hot bath stiff drink 
uh, website. Right. Um, gorgeous, man. Looks good. Yeah. <laughs> you, There's a yeah, shot of the like, sunset. You got a great look. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, you, you know, I could use a shave though, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's perfect. That's part of the look. Yeah. <laughs> it looks great. <laughs> no, it was just an incredible cast and crew on those. On both of those, we had Matthew Gratzner directing. Mm-hmm. And Matthew is, is one of the owners and the creative director at New Deal Studios. Mm-hmm. And he just finished, uh, well, I'll show you how busy I've been. What's the one that just came out? Uh, Interstellar. Mm-hmm. Inception. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interstellar. Uh, Interstellar. Interstellar. He worked on that, you know, all the, the space stuff. Uh, Hugo, Inception, Shutter Island. I mean, he's just, he's this great, great guy with an incredible vision. And uh, AJ Ritano is, was our VP. And, uh, Paula and wardrobe and Natalie and art. We just, we just pulled up a, a great group of people. So I'm really, really proud of those films, but uh, it was a true group effort to, to, to bring them to the production value that they have. Wow. How, how hard was it to raise money to make these movies? I mean, it's hard enough uh, independent films anyway to raise money. And with Westerns not being hugely popular right now, um, did, did you find it difficult to, to get the, the backing to, to get these made? Well, if you flip a little further on that website, you'll, you'll see me on a, on the corner of sunset on, um, uh, <laughs> La Brea with a sign <laughs> in the, you know, um, no, it, it is hard and you do, you know, whatever it takes to get it. Um, I, and everybody has their own path and no one can duplicate what someone else is doing. It was just a benefit to me as, as I was a former real estate broker and stockbroker and investment banker that, you know, I, I had ways of, number one, telling the story to raise the money. And mm-hmm. just even now, I get so many scripts and so many business plans. It's like if one more person compares their film to Blair Witch Project or Little Miss <laughs> Sunshine. It's like, no, it's not. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's not easy. I mean, you know, there's too many times they say it's the hardest part of it. And once I was told the hardest part of any movie is raising money. And then once I raised the money, they said, well, the hardest part is casting. Once I got cast, they said the hardest part is producing it. And then do that. And they go, the hardest part. And so I don't know what the hardest part is. It's all, it's all hard. All yeah. of it. <laughs> I, you know, I, I often say on the show that any film that gets to the finish line is a miracle. Yeah. Because right. there are so many variables and so many moving parts and so many egos and just so many places where a film can go completely off the rails that to, to get a, a film all the way to the finish line, to distribution, to, to, a, to a festival, to wherever, to where, whatever Avenue you can finally get a film to a point where you can have an audience watch it is a complete miracle. <laughs> and, and I congratulate everybody who finishes their film, regardless of whether the film's good or not. Right. Like I, I recognize the difficulty in accomplishing just the feat of finishing it. And it's always amazing to me when somebody says, yeah, we got our movie done and we're going to be screening it at this festival or whatever. I'm like, good on you, man. Way to go. <laughs> you know, I shot, I shot a, a, a feature film, here in San Diego in 2004, 2005, Steve actually was one of the co-stars in it. And we had a budget of like 25 grand. I didn't know them yet. 
<laughs> and, that was three years later. And it was loving muffins and everybody worked their asses off. But, you know, when we finished it, our lead actor told us, you know, I'm sorry. He, he actually apologized to us about two weeks before we had our big red carpet premiere. <laughs> and he's like, I'm very sorry for being such a pain in the ass the last two weeks of shooting. I honestly never believed that I'd see this movie done. It was my eighth feature film. It's the first one to get completed. Yeah. There's, wow. there's a few that I've been that I was acting in and I you're, we're lucky to see the finished project. So you yeah. don't see it. Yeah. Wow. Most of the time yeah. <laughs> you, get, you wow. put yourself, you put so much of yourself, all of yourself into it mm-hmm. because you know, it's your dream too. And your family making it together and half the time it doesn't even. Well, one of the best things that, that we do together each year, well, we try to do each year, these 48 hour film festivals, where yeah. you have Those 48 hours to write, shoot, and produce a four to seven minute film. And it's amazing to see what is created uh, each yeah. year. I mean, you've got so many people that are just scrambling to to complete a film. And every single year, it's always the same thing. It's like you see a huge broad spectrum of something that was just so well polished in 48 mm-hmm. hours and then something that, you know, wow, if they only had <laughs> two more yeah. weeks, if they only had two more weeks to, to shoot this. I mean, they had such a broad concept to it. I mean, they could, could have brought it together if they just knew how to just whittle it down and compress it. It was just, um, it's just fascinating to watch the whole process and being part of it is just wonderful. Yeah. I had done a, uh, two, I think 48 hours, uh, years ago. And that's the kind of guys I like working with. They, yeah. uh, it, it, it's a passion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Lord knows, I mean, we, we do what SAG calls anyway, low budget films, which are, you know, below two and a half million, which is to me still a lot of money. Yeah. Right. But, uh, <laughs> even at that, people aren't doing it for the money. I mean, you, you know, you put across to live in LA and everything, I mean, you got to make a certain amount to survive. Right. But, uh, it's got to be someone that's, that's doing it because it's out, out of love, not out of out of money. If they're there for the money, there's are not going to make it. A lot more love than yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Well, I tell everybody, I didn't become a filmmaker to be rich. Definitely. Not. No. No. <laughs> I became a filmmaker not. because I have a I have a passion for telling stories that I can't do any other way. Yeah. I, you know, I and mean, that, that's just all there is to it. Mm-hmm. And I debated that too for a while giving up being an actor. I'm like, is there something else that I enjoy just as much? And I gave it up. And six months later I came back cause I was so depressed that I got rid of it. And I'm like, no, it has to be in my life. I love it too much. And just working yeah, with can, everyone. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, I was, I used to coach drama even when we lived up in, in big bear and, you know, studying under some of the, the bigger names, it's true. I mean, if you're, if you're wanting to act to be famous or rich, you're going to be heartbroken. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if, if you're, if you're acting and performing because you love it, it doesn't matter if it's in the community theater or the church choir or whatever. Um, it's a great life. Just don't get that you're going to be Tom Cruise or whatever, you know? Um, I, I love it. I mean, it's, it's long days and we're on set at, of course, you know, 16 hour days. And, um, cold and it's hot and but uh 
you know, there's days where you go, what am I doing? And you go, well, you know, you could have been punching a clock and sitting in a cubicle somewhere. No, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I took a two year detour and did that and never again. <laughs> never, never, never again. Nobody can pay me enough to sit in another office uh, on a daily basis. Forget it. Unless it's an no. edit suite, forget it. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, we're we we're addicted to, to a to a uh, drama bug, guys. I don't think there's a cure for it. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, there is. It's just doing the thing. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, you know, it's what, like. What is, you guys, what is your genre? What do what, what you guys, what, what genre are you guys passionate about? Um, I love, I love sci-fi and, um, and, and good dramas. I mean, the, those are, right. those are important to me. Um, and then of course, you know, any sort of decent comedy is going to always make me happy. Um, uh, but as a filmmaker, I, I have done my best on all the shorts that I've produced over the last 10, 12 years to mix it up every film and explore the different genres and explore different shooting styles and, and try and find my own personal voice. And I think I'm starting to find it <laughs> the last couple of years. Um, you know, these 48 hour film projects are real, they're a real good test on where we're at. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I got a little core group of people that I work with here in San Diego and we've been doing it together for a very long time. In the last couple of years, making the films in 48 hours has gotten very easy. Yeah. And wow. one it, year we did too. Yeah. One year we did too. And, oh. and we're getting to a point now where it's less about, Ooh, are we going to finish and more about how good can this really be? Yeah. And oh, that's cool. what can we do this time? That's different from the last. And, you know, we did silent film this past summer, which was a lot of fun. Um, and, and we did that, uh, we did a sign language movie <laughs> and none of us knew sign language. So we were like learning on an app. <laughs> that was hopefully wow. accurate. Yeah. That was hopefully relatively accurate. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, That's awesome, guys. but it was fun. It was a lot of fun. And, and because it was silent, you know, we got to explore, you know, yeah. how to tell a story in as efficient and, hard. and, yeah. and concise a manner as we could. And, and I think that was a great exercise for and, us. And it was incredibly freeing because you didn't have to worry about. I didn't have to remember anything. You didn't to have say. to remember any lines. You didn't. <laughs> the well, actors yes. are all going, it was great. We didn't have to learn anything. <laughs> wow. No, that is so cool, guys. No, that, I, I love that. that uh, somehow I stumbled across one where, where a filmmaker had used uh, mentally and physically handicapped actors. Mm-hmm. And I was. I was blown away. I'm like, wow, I would, I would love to do something like that. So I need to think about, uh, maybe one for the death or something. That's, that's a great idea. I'd love, I'd love to see that guys. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll send you a link to it. You can, you can take a look at it when yeah. we're, when we're done with this. Cool. I'm, I'm the one with the freckles. <laughs> 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 Why nobody has that many freckles. Well, well, I'm the one face down in a bullet bowl of cereal <laughs> yeah steve's steve's dead through most of the most of the movie <laughs> that's the other thing that we do every film is we try to see how much more outrageous a thing we can do to steve yes yeah for I, very long periods of time very long periods of time he plays my husband <laughs> which is funny and, and we did a movie a few years back about santa claus 
Yep. And at the end of it, Steve didn't have a role in the whole movie until the very, very end during the credits. We had a credit roll sequence that we wrote specifically for Steve, where my Santa Claus, I actually play, played a part in this one. My Santa Claus drops into essentially like fantasy land purgatory and bumps into the tooth fairy and the lucky charms guy and the Easter bunny and all these different characters. And Steve, now you got to picture Steve. He's a New Jersey Jew, about 50 years old, little overweight, um, very pasty. We stuck him in a plastic diaper, put a sash across his chest, gave him a stogie and said, congratulations. (laughs) I'm Cupid. You're Cupid. (laughs) No wonder I've been single for three years. eh? Just kidding. (laughs) It's fine. He was driving down. We're like, hey, Steve, you have a problem wearing a diaper? He's like, no. I'm like, good. We love it. He he goes with the flow all the time, and we couldn't ask for more. People would ask, people would come up to me and say, "Why the hell would you even submit to something?" It's like, what the hell did they do to it's convince so you to do this? And, Trust us. I don't and, know why. Um, my one answer every time I'm asked is, "They asked me." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Getting back to what you were saying, I mean, we, we do it because we love it, right? right. Not because I mean, we're getting yeah. anything else. Out the guy, of it. It's the guy at the end of the circus parade, who it, it, inside the big top that's sweeping up after all the elephants and all the animals, it's sweeping up the poop. That's don't you hate this demeaning job? Wouldn't you want to leave this? And I said, what? Leave show business? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's great, guys. <laughs> now you, you you grew up on a dairy farm, right? I did. I did. How did you go from Damn. I'm assuming milking cows to yeah. to to being in the entertainment business? Wow. I mean, that's quite a leap, uh, right? That's yeah. It it is, but it, you know, I think really it was probably the best lesson I could ever have learned. Um, my father grew up on a dairy farm. And, uh, so, you know, he started one and even though I, I didn't have to, you know, the stories the parents would tell us, you know, uphill both ways in the snow and whatever, <laughs> but, uh, he would literally have to get up and milk the cows before school because they furnished the school milk. So when oh. I was complaining, he was like, you don't have to get up before school. And I'm like, that's right. I don't do it. Um, and we, we had a herdsman and all. So realistically, I only had to get up at four o'clock in the morning one day a week on Saturday or Sunday when we gave the hired hands time off. Mm. Um, so other than that, during the day, you know, it was, it was messing with horses or bailing hay or planting corn or whatever. But the thing about it was, is in the Alabama winters or may not be huge snow, but when it's cold, it's cold. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to college in it, Texas. It, it sucks down in the South in the wintertime. There you go. When it's that wet to the bone, kind of cold. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know what? What the main thing I I got out of that growing up was it doesn't it doesn't matter if you don't feel good. It doesn't matter if it's cold. It doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter if there's cartoons on. At four o'clock, those cows are lined up to be milked, and uh, nothing else matters. And you know, it kind of instills a, a work work ethic. Mm-hmm. You know that uh, there is no calling in sick. <laughs> you, you get up and you go do it, and. Uh, I don't think I've ever called it a day sick in my life, but you know, it's, it's just that work ethic that, that something like that I, has been a huge benefit to me. 
so no, my father had that, but he had a, a fertilized company in, in Yuma, Colorado, a, a, a brokerage firm in Miami, Florida. So he was, he was a real entrepreneur. Um, so I, I, I got to, uh, get a little more rounded worldly education than just, just growing up on the farm. And it made me learn real quick. I don't want to get up at four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Although sometimes on phone sets you have to, right? <laughs> That's right. We got so, a sunrise shot. We got to get you're up at three. <laughs> yeah. 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 I could, I could do that. Cause now we're shooting, you know, it's something we're passionate about. <laughs> It's awesome. funny how different it is when you're passionate about something like all the it things is. that you complain about in the rest of your life don't matter. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's just what we want to do. It's what, what do we see as being creative and fun and enjoyable? Uh, I just never got pulling on cow teats and getting slapped in the face with a you know, cow tail that's got <laughs> poop all over it. Very nice. enjoyable. You don't like that? I kind of do. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of being on farms myself. <laughs> Normally, I pay extra for that kind of action. <laughs> so, so when did when did the uh, the performance side of things settle in for you? I mean, when when did you find theater or drama or film? When the, when I got bit, um, you know, it, it's funny that. That happens in a lot of interviews. I, there's so many actors now I know that, you know, knew from two or whatever. I didn't. Even, I wasn't involved in the drama team in high school or, or anything. Mm-hmm. I uh, I moved to Florida when I was in my early 20s and started dating a, a young lady who was uh, a model, you know, like a magazine model. And through a friend of her, she got offered a television commercial. So we, yeah, she was a little nervous about it. So I went with her to shoot the TV commercial. And I still love this girl to death, but it was almost like she was modeling. Everything was just so stiff, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, that they went, wow, why don't we see about you getting some acting lessons and we'll reshoot this. So um, she agreed to get some acting lessons, but was nervous. So I just agreed to go with her. And uh, my first acting class in Florida, and I just, I was like, wow, this is fun. You get, you get to get in somebody else's head and, and be that person for a little while. So, uh, that's when I actually got hooked and, you know, came out to LA and, and did the whole zillion casting calls and, uh, background work extra, mm-hmm. you know, do, do all those things. And then, uh, decided to, to grow up and go get a real job. And after having kids and coming back, and it was like, wow, this is actually a business. You know, I was using it before as just an art. Mm-hmm. It, um, it's, it's a business. I mean, they call it show business for a reason. I mean, it really is a business. So, you know, having a, a more mature look at it, you know, um, taking into consideration it's a business, it was like, the first thing is, is raise the money. If you raise the money, then you decide what script you're going to do and you decide this and that. So, Again, five years ago or so, we decided let's start a business. Hence, once upon a dream. So we've like got that. three in the can and three more funded for this year. So just uh, awesome. keep your fingers crossed and keep rolling. Yeah, <laughs> dream big. You looking for another yeah. one? <laughs> Always dream big. And ha- and having a daughter, like it reminds you when you have children to not forget and to keep dreaming because if you forget. They can forget, and what's what's the point of that? So you got to dream big. 
Yeah. You know, you got to look at your kid and go, hey, you know, do do what you're passionate about. And, yeah. You know, I, I hope it's something that's, you know, moral and ethical and, you know, whatever. But, uh, you know, all, all three of my girls are, are actresses. They also wants to direct. And, awesome. Um, How old are they now? I'm like, you sure you want to just go to college? And, you know? <laughs> no. <laughs> college is for chumps. <laughs> yeah. It's a waste of money. You can spend that money on a movie. <laughs> Well, yeah, even I had friends of mine who went to film school, and they're like, um, give her 120 grand and tell her to go shoot a film instead. And I'm like, yep. wow. Yeah. Um, She'll learn more in that process than she will in four years of school. Hands on. Yes, definitely. Yeah. My oldest is 20, and that's the one that wants to direct. And there's, you know, I said business-wise, the federal, the federal government has a tax code called 181, and small print. I'm not a, an accountant. Please talk to your accountant, your attorney, whatever. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, and it expires December the 31st, 2014. So the law paraphrase opinion only, you, you have to start a film for that, that date in order for it to qualify for that tax incentive, which behooves you when you go and talk to investors. Mm. So at the, and when the accountant finally got back to me at the end of December, I'm like, what? I, I've got to start three films by the end of the year. So uh, one of them is uh, with Billy Zane, and Billy's going to direct that one. And then uh, the other two, my, my daughter wants to direct. So we went out at the end of this year up near Palmdale, and uh, it gets cold up there, mm-hmm. and, and shot three scenes uh, for three different movies. And uh, she directed two of them and did a great job. I'm really proud of him. Awesome. That is incredible. Yeah, really <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> the lesson there, Steve, is yeah. just go do it. Yeah. Just do it. Just go do it. Yeah, I'm sitting <laughs> yeah. around waiting, waiting, trying to, you know, get people interested in my script and um I I should just just go ahead and just start raising the money myself. Yeah, and don't yeah, go. Exactly. Go shoot a teaser. Go shoot anything. Put it on Indiegogo, Kickstarter. Yeah. You know? I mean, I've, I've already done a documentary that way and I've got it online, but, you know, I mean, it's a very, 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 very narrow genre uh, for, I mean, for a documentary that, I mean, there's no money in it, it to be made at oh, all. Because it's about horses. It's about horses. Uh, <laughs> oh, thanks. Cool. <laughs> jab, jab, circle. jab, jab, jab. <laughs> Poke the bear. Poke the bear. <laughs> <laughs> but his screenplay is pretty funny. It's called Flaws. Yeah, Flaws. Ooh, yeah, it's the uh, the entire title is uh, the partially fictionalized, completely unauthorized story of Hollywood's first summer blockbuster, and it's the biopic of the making of Jaws. <laughs> oh, that's cool. That and is cool. Everything, everything about the making of this film was doomed for failure. I mean, it was based on a novel that had not been published. Mm -hmm. There was no script. Mm -hmm. The actors were either drunk or not interested in being in the film. And the shark Mm -hmm. didn't work. That's right. (laughs) And yet it turned out to be one of the most uh, highest grossing films of all time for its, for its era. Sure. And it, and it coined the phrase summer blockbuster. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I think I think I think he needs to 
uh, ask his buddy who's sitting yes. across the table from him to help him shoot some sample scenes, yes. right? Am I Maybe. right? Yeah. Back use me up here. Use yes. and go to who you know. Yes. Uh, Hello. Maybe. What are you doing later? <laughs> Not today. <Yeah. laughs> I got a hair appointment. <laughs> Call my agent. Puerto Rico has 40% tax rebates. So, I mean, you know, that sounds like a good place Puerto to shoot, right? Puerto yeah. Rico, that'd be perfect. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice yeah, tropical passport. water. There you go. <laughs> I got my passport. There you go. <laughs> Stamp. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd love to see stuff like that. I'm saying, you know, we're just, we're one of these phases and I, I get so many scripts and all. And my biggest thing is, is I believe, it's a personal opinion on it, there's a true demand for family programming. And I would say family programming. You know, we, you know, I, I and here's it. like, uh, we just, you know, don't you, I mean, like one of my favorites, all right, Dave, you go ahead and laugh. One of my favorites is Butch Cash and the Finesse Kid. Oh, I'm not going to lie about that. that. That's an awesome <laughs> film. Love, love that film. Uh, that's an awesome and, film. You know, <laughs> you know the scene where, where uh, uh, what's her name, Kathleen, whatever, comes in, comes into your house, and uh, Robert Redford's sitting there with his gun, and she starts taking her, her dress off. Yeah. He, he, he holds the gun on her and goes, keep going. That, that is one of the sexiest scenes I have ever seen. But what she it, says at the end of the scene was makes it makes the rest of the scene makes yeah. that entire scene. But you don't you don't need to you don't need to show anything. You don't no no. It's, it's, you know it's, it's like come on. Well, it goes know? it goes back to what you were saying earlier about competing with someone's imagination. Yeah. If if you give well, them enough to let their imagination fill in the blanks, you can have the well, sexiest scene on the planet without ever having somebody get skimpily well, clad. That's right. On the other yeah. side of that spectrum, I mean, look at Jaws. I mean, just because he couldn't get the shark to work, you don't see the shark for the entire first act mm-hmm. of the film. And it's mm-hmm. the scariest part is because you don't see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just yeah. know it's there. Well, in the original Alien, too. I mean, yeah. just just real quick glimpses of shadows moving in the in the background freaks you out. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I, I'm less scared of the alien once I see the 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 teeth and you know the whole body and oh mm-hmm. look man in suit you know yeah. <laughs> but um, I, when I, it's an abstract I, 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 it's terrifying. I'll have to let my twins hang out. My twins are 15 and they watch every horror movie there is. <laughs> they have to watch it in their room because I told them guys. Uh, what was it? 70, 78, whatever it was. I watched uh, The Exorcist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was 72 I, I, I think 73 is it right? nah, uh, whenever it came out theater, I, mean, yeah. I didn't sleep for like a month yeah. <laughs> <laughs> scared the living crap out of me my mom, uh, my mom says to this very day that my dad sat up in bed like a couple nights after they watched the movie and spun his head all the way around <laughs> My dad would always just sit there and giggle and laugh when she'd start talking about it. But hey, we're talking 25 years later. My mom's still, he, he scared the I, hell out of me. <laughs> I can't watch horror movies. They scare me to death, guys. I, you know, I don't care if it's wimpy or what it is. The exorcist got me. I'm done. I'm done. No, no more. I did, a, I did a class in college. All we did the entire semester was watch horror films. We started with The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari and moved all the way up to Scream. And we watched, awesome. you know, King Kong and Frankenstein and um, uh, Silence of the Lambs, The Exorcist, Alien, uh, just across the board, uh, Friday the 13th and yeah, Poltergeist. So, I mean, it was just every week we watched another horror film and then analyzed oh. it. 
Oh, what, what did you? I am no longer affected by horror films the way I once was. <laughs> I still am. I worked in a haunted house to. Uh, I love horror films, but they scare me. I don't know why I keep watching them. And then I worked at a haunted house to get rid of that fear, and I quit because I was too scared. <laughs> and the, the twins and I go to the movies a lot, and we'll we'll look at trailers and stuff before going. And there was one not long ago they wanted to see. They're like, "Well, let me show you." So they come in on my computer and they put this this trailer on and there was this girl that was walking backwards, you know, on her back with her hands and up around the wall and stuff. Yeah. And I just stopped it. I didn't even watch the rest of the trailer. I'm like, no way. No <laughs> way. <I'm not> <laughs> yeah, yeah, the uh, the influence of the Japanese on the horror genre yeah. in the last 10 years or so has made for some very interesting visuals. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I still cover uh, my eyes. <laughs> I really do. It's so silly. Yeah, I'm actually mm. working on a horror film script myself right now, and I'm struggling with it. Well, you know, well, we'll see. <laughs> Good luck with that. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, that's why he hasn't read mine. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to read anybody else's screenplay while I'm trying to write one. It's like, it's too much for my brain to manage. <laughs> I, I, I know there's the most money in it. I mean, you know, you know we get approached, you know, going to do this and I mean, I'm like, there's a ton of money in porn too. I just don't do it. You know, I don't want to do porn. I don't want to do porn. I can't. Well, the thing thing that I'm struggling with with my own with my own script, and I want to make a smart horror film. You know, I don't want to make a gore film. I don't want to make a slasher film. It's, I mean, Poltergeist was a little gory, but in the end, it was a very smart movie and how the horror was presented. You know, um. And Alien was very smart in the way it was presented. There was some gore to it, obviously, but it was smart. Very, very smart. And then when you go further back, when you go to King Kong and Frankenstein and all the original Hammer films, they're smart movies. Mm -hmm. And they're movies that make a statement about society and about man. And I think in that way, horror is very good at being a subversive way of making a commentary on things. Well, look at, uh, and I want to try and figure out how to make my script do that. You know? look, I mean, look at the original uh, black and white version of the thing. Mm-hmm. And you had that when that came out, you had James Arness dressed as a carrot, basically. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'm just thinking, I just had a picture of him with a carrot. I mean, that's, <laughs> I mean, that's basically what it was. I mean, he was this gigantic vegetable alien and you saw no blood in this movie. Yet there was all the horror of, of, of that would that you would find in that genre in that that type of science fiction genre. When I saw the the uh, the remake of it years later, the one with Kurt Russell, I was appalled by the amount, the level of gore that was that was in that film, and I, I was just totally turned it's off. Unnecessary. By it. I thought it was just absolutely unnecessary mm-hmm. to the point when when they tore apart a dog i they lost me and i i, I stopped watching the movie and never hurt the dog yeah. come on <laughs> never hurt the dog you hurt I the cry dog instantly. you hurt an animal like that i i i'm disinterested <laughs> yeah you can't touch the dog and you can't can't touch the virgin everybody else is fair game well the virgin i mean i don't <laughs> i just i can't do the but here here's one how about the one i do love how about six cents that's a good that's, one that's about as scary as i can get i didn't catch it and that's what I think really set the hook with me. I love that film. 
Yeah. And unfortunately that M night Shyamalan kept trying to just rehash that formula over and over and over again. But, uh, but yeah, that was a very smart movie when it came out. Yeah. It yeah. Was. Nothing else I didn't was like it. it. Did any of you guys know before the end of the movie? I didn't. I started to suspect about 10 minutes before the reveal, but I wasn't sure. You know, the second time I watched it, I totally knew. (laughs) I knew. I knew more until after someone told me what the twist was. Was, was, And like Shemelon's twist was any time that you saw red, red meant dead. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So anytime the color red was seen, something someone dead was in was in the scene. So I mean, once that was revealed to me, I was like, uh, okay, all right, I got it. <laughs> but then he started just hitting you over the head head with plot twist after plot oh, twist. Oh, what a twist. What a twist. What a plot <laughs> twist. And it was, it was like, okay, fine. Yeah, there's a twist. That's it. Okay, I'm done. Far <laughs> screenwriting up. Yeah. Um, you know, so you don't go see the you know same movie rehashed over and over. It was just, it was so different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like I said, it it was, it was a very smart movie, um, and and it, it, uh, that's what caught everybody is how smart a film it was, how simple a film it was. Really, I mean, yeah. for a horror film, it was very very simply shot. It was very simply performed. Mm-hmm. It was all about performance, not yeah. about gore, not about heavy heavy uh action or anything like that um it was all it was but all that fun. twist that smart twist at the end that's what snagged everybody oh my god yeah. it was a ghost <laughs> you know spoiler alert <laughs> sorry <laughs> um, i'm gonna have to watch that again you, you just you just wet my appetite yeah yeah mine too <laughs> yeah. i haven't watched it in a while i, I probably should especially yeah, since curious. i'm trying to write yeah. a ghost story yeah, there you go yeah I remember yeah. this the scene of the boy when he was underneath the table and all scared and that ghost girl was underneath. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I peed my pants. Both <laughs> times. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Jeffrey, one, one question. We're, we're at about an hour, so we probably ought to start wrapping it up a little bit. But one question. <laughs> if there was if there was a actor... Alive or dead, um, that you would want to put into a Western film that you're making, who, who would it be? Mm, mm, oh, man. And uh, then I've got one more follow up question. question to this one. It, it, and it can only be one? Who would be the one actor that you would give anything to have in, in, in a Western film you're shooting? I stumped uh, him. I stumped him. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm debating. I have to say, I have to say Clint Eastwood. Yeah. But I adore Robert Duvall. Yeah. I think Billy Bob Thornton is is incredible talent. Um, there's, Has he there's done a, a Western? Of yeah. Billy Bob? Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, um, I was, when, when Robert and I wrapped uh, Hot Bath 2, um, he had a, a script that I was looking at producing and us doing together. He had uh, Billy Bob and, and Robert Duvall and Joaquin Phoenix and all attached to. And um, I started watching some more of Billy Bob stuff. He's an incredible actor. I mean, even mm-hmm. if it's... Uh, mm, <laughs> <laughs> as you do like the way you talk. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, he goes from he goes from mm, that to, to the director of NASA in Armageddon. I mean, he, you know, it's like... And he's so funny. <laughs> yeah. 
He's so incredible, funny. incredible talent. You put him in a western, absolutely. He would knock, he would knock it out of the park, absolutely. So I'm, I'm going to have to say Clarence Wood out of just sheer respect. Yeah. But Thornton, Duvall, there's, there's a lot of guys that are, you know, like you said, Costner. There's a, there's a lot of guys I'd love to work with. That gets so exciting. Okay. And, All right. and then one more <laughs> question that I have to ask because you are you are a big western fan and. I asked this of everybody I know who, who watches Westerns. What were your thoughts on the remake of True Grit? Ooh. Oh. <laughs> I, I'm going to meet Jeff this Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> tread lightly, sir. Tread lightly. <laughs> this, this buds. Um, Jeff is another one of those guys that I think it was a long time coming. And I'm not going to get back into... Uh, the dude or anything. It's, uh, he's not one of those incredible actors. I mm-hmm. love John Wayne and, and I was, I was afraid of what the remake would do. Um, I think Bridges knocked it out of the park and Matt Damon. I thought you can't put Matt Damon in a Western. He, he did an awesome job. I, I love it. I, I absolutely love it. That movie was a huge <laughs> surprise for me. I, I, yeah. I love that movie. And yeah. it's, it's one none of us brought up during the course of the show, which I loved. Yeah. <laughs> because allow me to drop that bomb is the question at the end. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I was afraid you were going to ask about Long Ranger, and I didn't want to comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a Western. I just watched that. That was Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> yeah. <dirt>. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that was yeah. Disney trying to rehash a formula, and they shouldn't have. Uh-uh. <laughs> Waste of film. <laughs> That's the way I saw it. Uh, but my opinion on on my first opinion of True Grit, it's very well known on, in this podcast that I have hated, absolutely hated remakes. And the whole show, this whole show started on an episode where I ripped into Steve for not liking remakes. And, <laughs> Great remakes. And it was, it was, I thought just the idea of remaking True Grit was sacrilege, was absolute slap in the face to to John Wayne to everything about the the genre itself but then i sat down and i actually watched that film and i was jaw droppingly mm-hmm. impressed with everything about that movie it was yeah. everything about that movie it just changed my mind changed about <laughs> what possibilities can be from for a remake Please sign the petition for me that no one will remake Butch Cash and the Sunday Kid. Yes, I, I, that I will. <laughs> I will sign that one. There's certain ones that you do not touch. No. Of course, no. means someone sometime is going to touch Just, it. Yeah, someone's going to touch it somewhere. <laughs> now, it was the Hollywood Reporter reported that Tommy Lee is going to remake Cowboys. Oh. Tommy Lee Jones? Yeah. Oh, that would be interesting. Yeah. He's just an interesting guy to begin with. Yeah, he's just an interesting guy to begin with. I mean, for a remake like that, I mean, you've got a lot of young talent out there Mm -hmm. that that could fill those roles. I mean, would you put a cameo of Bruce Dern in it? That's my thought, too. You have to. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I I personally I would like to see more westerns made, but I want them to be gritty because guys need to be guys. Yeah, 
I yeah. like guys. And okay. the and the yeah. and the like and, the, and the, the Western films where the guys are really pretty are not real Western films. No. no. That's my two. No, it's, it's uh even on set, it's it's a tough life out there. And if you have to do it, you know, years at a time and you know, it's gonna show on the face and then the clothes and on I mean, even the towns, you know, some of them I watch and I'm like, mm, no. Uh, the towns are either brand new because they were building them. To me, people think all the towns have to be old. And like, the town wasn't 100 years old then. They were building it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, trying to be more true. We we brought on a, on the last one, Peter Shureko, who furnished all the firearms and all for, for Tombstone also. So our our guns, our saddles, everything were, were true to period. And there's too many times where they don't take that into account. Right. You know, a horse will look and go, I got that same saddle. And it's like, yeah, it was supposed to be 1863. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, it's important that they've done correctly. Yeah, I think it's very important. Um, is there anywhere we can point? Um, I mean, obviously, hot bath and a stiff drink.com for the movie, any other websites and uh, locations we can point um, people for, for your information? Yeah, that would be great, man. I really appreciate it. Our, our primary landing page is, is once upon a dream. Uh, is it once upon a dream.com? Okay. Well, excuse me. I'm being corrected here. Once upon a dream productions.com. <laughs> uh, right. I, I just picture somebody in there waving their hands at you. No, no, I was no, going to ask. No. <laughs> um, you're doing yeah, it wrong. I, I, yeah, they don't let me. They don't let me mess with those things, right? Um, and, and I think it's being updated as to what's in development or pre-production. But then, of course, yes, hotbassstiffdrink.com, and then findingharmonymovie.com, and uh, the same on all the Facebooks, Twitters, Instagrams, all the other things that I don't really know enough about. Okay, I think we got all that in an email, so I'll, I'll be sure to put those in our show notes when this show goes up, and. Um, Jeffrey, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. We really appreciate it. It was a great, great time with you. Yes. And uh, we're definitely going to be checking out your movies as they come out. You seem like sure. a, a guy that would be everyone's friend. Well, thanks, guys. I had a lot of fun. Thanks a lot yeah. for involving me. And, uh, and I'm hey, going gonna, gonna to forward you that link to our silent film. So you can you can yeah, get, would you? get a glimpse on that. And I'd love, I'd love to read your Jaws script and stuff oh, like that. Oh, certainly. Yes, I will definitely send <laughs> you. <laughs> you just made Steve's yes, day. thank you. He's like, someone will read it. Someone's going to read it. <laughs> Maybe we can play in the same sandbox one day, guys. Oh, awesome. <laughs> That'd be great. That'd be great. Well, happy right, New Year. Yeah, and thank you. It. It's been a lot of fun. All right, right man. You take care. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Oh, Steve. You got somebody who's going listen, <laughs> to listen to you a little bit and read yeah. your script. Oh, boy. <laughs> that guy's really nice. He was really nice. Really, really nice. Really. Yeah, great look, too. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. <laughs> This episode of The Intellectual Podcast has been brought to you by Audible.com. Audible.com has over 100,000 titles for you to download and listen to on your iPad, iPhone, Android, or really any mobile MP3 device that you might have. So if you're into audiobooks and you are looking for the absolute best, show your support for The Intellectual by signing up for an Audible trial at audibletrial.com slash T-I-N. That's audibletrial.com slash T-I-N and show your support for the Intellectual Network by signing up for the free trial with audible.com. 
Hello there, citizens. I am the terror that flaps in the night. I am the floaty that will not flush no matter how many times you try in the toilet bowl of crime. I am Darkwing Duck. Telling you, please, talk hard and enjoy the mindgasm. <laughs> Whatever the heck that means. After all, you are watching Intellectual Podcast with your ears. Intellectual Podcast.